Welcome to the Active Investor Show. This is Chris Kumi, your business godfather. I've worked with businesses for over three decades as a business attorney, business consultant, and business owner. My mission is to help you get more out of your business, your assets, and your life. The Active Investor Show is dedicated to helping people thrive in the you're-on-your-own world we currently live in and to help entrepreneurs realize some financial success from the potential massive changes that are in process right now. And so here we are as we enter February. You know, one of the things that's happened is that you've gotten statements for all of your financial accounts, and I've been encouraging folks to get those, get those statements and identify what all your assets are, identify all your liabilities so you can track your net worth. Now, if you're in business, you need to have a personal financial statement anyway. So if you haven't done it yet, this is a great time to put that stuff together. And if you do it every year, then you can compare what your success has been over that year. And one of the more important things of it is that you can start taking a look at your assets and seeing what isn't performing. Because in, in your assets, you probably have some things that are getting single-digit returns. And the reality is... If you're not a multimillionaire, single-digit returns aren't getting it done. And one of the things you need to do is ask your money, what have you done for me lately? And part of the mission of the Active Investor Show is to get you to expect more from your money and realize that that capital that you have is your most powerful asset only if you're putting it into opportunities where there's active investing returns possible. So stop being satisfied with these single-digit returns. Start looking at how do I find double-digit returns because we are in this you're-on-your-own world. And so as the Trump administration comes in and continues to you know, implement the plan that's been laid out, and everything is as advertised. Now, in the Trump plan, there are many things that are designed to spur growth. There are many things that are designed to hinder growth. Unfortunately, what's happening now, all the things that are, it can hinder our growth are being implemented, and all the things that require, that can spur growth, require Congress to cooperate. And unfortunately, Congress cooperating, Congress being able to get anything done is definitely not something that we can count on. And frankly, the more they talk about it, the longer the time frame comes for them to actually implement anything productive related to tax cuts related to infrastructure spending. So all we have is, you know, things that are going to be negative for the growth of the U.S. economy. You know, Trump has already turned Asia over to China. He's basically given, given them China, China, he's given China Asia. So all the people that were in the Trans-Pacific Partnership with the U.S. has basically written a similar deal with China. So U.S. is not going to be involved with Asia. Trump has turned over the Middle East to Russia, also Eastern Europe. It's unclear what, what's going on with the Arctic Circle. You know, as as the you know the Arctic ice melts, you know, one of the things that strategic people have been looking at is that there's going to be new sea lanes open. There's going to be new ways to get products to market. There's been no discussion of it, which leads me to believe that there's been no real thought given to having a strategy around the Arctic. And so that's, you know, that's the best opportunity for the next 50 years. And so that may be something that the U.S. misses out on as well. 
And so what's happening right now is that as we go back, we're going back 100 years in the U.S. position. As back, and we talked about this last time, is that, you know, after the Berlin Wall fell, after the Soviet Union fell, there was a talk of multipolar world. We moved from a bipolar world to a multipolar world. And people wondered what that would look like. And they expected that there'd be different spheres of influence around the world and that the U.S. would just be one of many. The reality is since 1990, the U.S. has basically created what they call a unipolar world that has made it so that free trade and globalization has been allowed to thrive. And that's what's given us a lot of our wealth and a lot of our income over the last 25, 27 years is the burgeoning of free trade and sharing of ideas and things like that. And so the Trump administration is going about this by destroying that which has worked well. And so with that, there's change. And with change, there's always opportunities. And so, you know, we've been trained to be against change, but part of it is just recognizing what the change is and then trying to get on the right side of that opportunity as an active investor. And if you're being complacent in a time of change, you're probably going to get overwhelmed by that change. And you're going to become a victim of that change. And that's particularly for the people that are sitting back, relying on passive investments to carry them through. And, you know, the financial services industry has done a great job of convincing people that passive financial investment is the way to go. The reality is it's really only been since that 1990 where passive financial investments made much sense. And it made sense late 80s into 1990s through 2000. But basically since 2001 has not made that much sense. But people continue to believe that passive investments are better than active investments. And so part of this is taking a look at what's actually happening. And so The Economist had a great article this week on how globalization has been slowing down for these multinational firms. And, you know, the multinational firms sprung up out of this, the break of the Soviet Union and this global globalization and international trade system that the United States created since 1990. And what they talked about was how things have kind of slowed down for those companies recently, but with the changes that the Trump administration are putting in, are really going to take away any and all advantages that those companies have. Now, what makes this ironic, though, is that for the passive financial investors, the people that you know aren't going to worry about this change, the people they're invested in, the companies they're invested in, are these multinational companies. And so these multinational companies have gotten all the benefit of the last 25 years. They're, they're starting to slow, and now they have an administration putting policies into effect that will absolutely assault their bottom lines and absolutely assault their profits, absolutely assault their business model. And so during this time of change, that's the last place you want to have your money. So if you've got money in big companies, in the S&P 500, in the Dow Jones, this is the time where you need to start extracting your funds from that because it may not happen this week but over the coming months, they're basically going to be under assault by the world's largest economic power basically removing the support they've been provided. And so 
as change happens, it's important for you to change your perspective and for you to change where you look for opportunities. And so that's why we started the Active Investor Show is that you know the passive financial investment model is really the aberration in the history of capitalism. You know, capitalism's been around for about 500 years. Passive financial investing has become prominent over the last 30 years. And the returns over the last 15 years have been pretty bad. You know, basically you're getting about 2% per year. If you take inflation into account, it's about 0.5% per year. Really awful returns, but people keep doing it because they didn't realize there was something else to do. Now, the folks listening to this podcast, you know, generally you're owning businesses or want to own businesses, and you're actively involved with some aspect of your wealth. So you recognize the better opportunities for investment are in your own business. And so one of the one of the dangers for you is that you know a lot of people that do have money, they start putting it into these passive financial investment models because they don't realize there's better ways for them to make money. And so part of this is recognizing that you as an active investor have the ability to, to get double digit returns from your capital if you recognize change when it's happening and get yourself away from the negative parts of the change and get on the positive aspects of it. And so this perversion of investment options towards passive investments is something that has led to our current no-growth environment. And so tearing it down may actually work out great for us. However, we can't keep doing the same thing. We can't be expecting that things are going to remain fresh as we go forward. And so recognize that the current system is being torn down. The current system that supports the multinational corporations is being destroyed right now. And so you can choose to leave your money there and watch it be destroyed, or you can pull it out and start looking for better financial investment opportunities. Now, I realize a lot of investors have lost their way. They've lost their imagination. They've lost their initiative. You know, they value security over freedom. When we're looking at building great businesses, you know, we need to be mindful of, you know, the three rules that we talked about in our last podcast. One is why alignment. Second is being a student of innovation. And third is rugged team building. And today I'm going to talk a little bit about the rugged team building aspect. Because no matter what your idea is, no matter how powerful it is, it all comes down to having people that are motivated on making sure that that gets implemented and put in their passion and something that people can really buy into. And so I think one of the most overlooked aspects of being a successful active investor for people is having an ongoing recruiting effort and being attractive to, to prospective employees, being attractive to prospective great performers. And so as if you look at some of the companies that have made customer service and made culture a big part of their, of, of their marketing and a big part of kind of how people look at them, those companies have no problems recruiting people, whether it's Zappos or Amazon or Microsoft back in the day or Apple. Companies that have created this idea that culture matters to them attract the people that want to perform in that environment. Also, there needs so not only do you need a way, you need to start identifying the culture, part of it is realizing that that's going to be your key way so you can expand into other businesses. And as an active investor, 
one of the things you need to do, you may not have a national footprint or national visibility, but you need to be creating an entrepreneurial organization. You need to be able to provide opportunities for folks that are going to otherwise go somewhere else. And so you need to spark some imagination. There's incredibly talented people out there that are looking for a great opportunity. And what you have to do is show them that it may not be just that particular business where they start, but that there's other businesses that they can get into and, and flourish. And so that's, again, where in your personal business structure, you know, most people have one business and that's where they focus. But what, one of the things you want to do is start looking at building out a multi-business structure so you, your best people have places to aspire to and to drive to so that there's opportunities for everybody. If there's only one company and there's only one way to move up, then your best people eventually are going to leave if they feel like they've run into some kind of a glass ceiling or they've run into a spot where there's no opportunity for promotion or improvement. And so part of your mission as an owner, as an active investor, is to create an environment where you're always looking for new opportunities. And that's one of the benefits of approaching the multi-business multi approach is that your next business can draw on some of the talent in your existing business and can take advantage of that. And so as we're looking at building this multi-business structure, they may be all in the same type of business. They may be in different types. And so the five business models that you usually track, one goes to cash flow, second are for startups or angel investing, third is intellectual property, fourth is real estate, fifth is financial trading. And those for active investors, those are your best areas. Now you can choose to focus on just one of those types of models, or you can choose to spread it out across others. That's really less important than having opportunities for your best people to continue to get more responsibility and more reward for their efforts. And so as you're looking at building your business, the rugged team building aspect is something where you have to recognize you can't do it all by yourself. And more importantly, you need to provide great opportunities for people that are going to help make your business great. And so one of the keys you need to have is a way to attract people. And so having an online process to sift through resumes is pretty important. And you know some of the folks that are active investors don't like hiring. They see that as an add-on or as an additional duty. The reality is you are always in recruiting mode. And you've always got to be looking for finding the next great person. And as, as I look at it, you know, every person that works for you is on a one-day contract. The only person that's going to stay there is the owner, and that's you. And so the one-day contract means they've got to earn their way every time. But also, too, the business has to earn those people's respect and trust for them to stay. And so that's part of your responsibility as an active investor is creating that environment, creating that culture, and creating the opportunities that are going to be attractive to people going forward. And the reason I bring this up is that when you talk to people that are doing venture capital, when you evaluate startups, people always say, oh, I look at the team. Well, the team is kind of a, an amorphous idea because you, know, you never would have hired Steve Jobs for Apple. You never would have hired Bill Gates for Microsoft. 
you know, they made it because that was their passion. And so it's almost, it's almost a, um, a cop-out to say, I'm just looking for talented people. Because there's plenty of talented people who've been successful in one organization and have failed in another. There's plenty of talented people that didn't realize their talents until they were 50 years old. And so talent almost becomes a cop-out and really gets to really more achievement than anything. And so the reality is you want to be able to attract people that are motivated, that are bright, that are talented, but it has to be related to the culture of your organization and related to the marketing message that you have out there. And that gets to the first part of building great businesses is that why alignment and making sure that you understand the motivation behind the business that will attract not just customers but also people to work for you. Part of that comes from being that student of innovation because people want to be involved with new things. They want to be involved with new opportunities. And so that's how those three components, the why alignment, the student of innovation, and the rugged team building work together. But to build your active investor world, you need to start focusing on how do you attract more people that will allow you to expand. And it's, it's an interesting thing right now, you know, as the Trump administration is assaulting immigration and as they're reducing the ability for companies to bring in um, non-U.S. citizens to do work, basically what's happening is these companies, ha- it's not that they don't want to hire an American. They can't find one that's willing to put in the time, energy, and effort. And for me, someone who's worked with entrepreneurs for years, you know, I'd say that you know, a vast majority of entrepreneurs aren't born in the United States. You know, they're, they come from somewhere else because, one, to get here required some entrepreneurial spirit, whether you're from Africa or Europe or Asia. You, know, you, needed, you needed to hustle to get to the United States. But more important, what they recognize is that nothing's owed to them and nothing and basically they have to make their own way. And so the immigrants that the Trump administration is trying to keep out are exactly the people that will thrive in this current environment. It's exactly the people that can manage the you're on your own environment that we're in. And so, you know, I had clients that came from Vietnam and they did everything themselves. They didn't rely on the government. They didn't rely on anybody else. They always had cash for their next opportunity for any emergency. And that, those are the folks that make things work. You know, I'm thinking back, you know, 25, I guess 30 years now, 1987, I was out visiting my cousin. And my cousin is a raisin farmer. And he had, you know, thousands of acres of land. And his, you know, his foreman was taking me around and showing me you know, how out in the fields, showing me how they harvested the raisins and how, you know, basically what they do is they, you know, they cut the, cut the grapes off, put them on some special paper that they actually had developed and patented that kept the moisture off of it. And your raisins dry out there in the field for the most part. And we're out there, and this is August in California. It was probably about 110 degrees. And, you know, one of the things he was saying was that he didn't really like Mexicans except that those were the only people that were willing to work hard enough to be out there in 110-degree heat. And he said that they tried to get Americans to do it, and the Americans wouldn't do it. And so he had a great respect 
for the migrant workers who would come through. And the way the migrant workers would go back then is that they would start in Mexico and they'd work their way up the West Coast to do raisin picking. Then they'd move up higher and do, you know, some other, some other thing like, you know, peaches or lemons and move all the way up to apple season up in Washington. And then they'd go back to Mexico. And the idea was these were folks that were willing to work hard to make their money. And one of the things that's happening is if we start squeezing out those people that have that fire in the belly, you know, you don't become an active investor by reading the book, right? You've got to get involved and put some heart and soul into it. And you need to surround yourself with other people that have that fire in the belly. And that's part of joining a community. And what we're looking to do is build a productive economy that supports active investors and build a productive community where you can continue to get inspired and continue to take advantage of the capital that you've built up. Because as we build up this capital, you know, if we're not using it productively, then we're really not taking advantage of the great opportunities we have around us. And so if you want to enjoy the game, you need to understand the rules. Follow me on LinkedIn and join the Active Investor Group on LinkedIn, where we share insights and strategies so you can become a more effective active investor. We're preparing an exciting announcement in February for active investors, so follow me, Chris Kumi, on LinkedIn. And through this active investor community, what we're going to do is help people not just survive, but to thrive in this you're-on-your-own world. Because that's the clear message of where we're at now, is if you didn't realize that you're on your own for your income, if you didn't realize you're on your own for your health care, if you didn't realize you're on your own for your retirement, guess what? You're on your own. And so even though you're on your own, you don't have to do it by yourself. Now, part of being an effective active investor is figuring out which of those business models work the best for you. And, you know, as a business attorney, as someone who's worked with a lot of startups, for me, my favorite business model to focus on is startups and angel investing. Um, there's a lot of attention to it. I think there's a lot of people that want to get involved with that, but they don't do it particularly well, or they really don't understand the vibe of what it takes to do a startup. And so in the Active Investor Show, we're going to highlight, you know, one of the one of the companies that I've worked with over the last couple of years is named Ally Homes. And Ally Homes is the goal is to basically change the way home remodeling is done. And the the goal I had, you know, Jacob is the founder and he came to me and said I want to revolutionize the home renovation industry. And what he recognized was the home renovation industry was run by, you know, 50 and 60-year-old guys who made a good living, but they weren't, they weren't really taking advantage of technology. They weren't really doing marketing. They were kind of comfortable with how they did things and how home renovations happen. If you've ever had a home renovation, no one ever enjoys the process. You know, one of the, the worst things is the quotes, like get, come out and get three quotes well, to do that, you've got to set up multiple appointments. Half of the time, people don't show up. You still don't even know when someone does show up whether they're going to give you an actual quote. And so it's a really time-consuming, expensive process for people that are lead busy lives. Another part of it is during, during the 
the actual um, production of the job is knowing the time frame, when is the project going to be done, having some feedback mechanism. And again, jobs always take longer than people think they should, and they feel frustrated because they don't have a way to communicate. And so each of those areas, the getting the quotes, the project management and communication and expectation setting are all things that technology is perfect for. And so Jacob came to me, and you know, we, as we talked through his project, because it started as a project in his business administration program, what we did was we identified what are those biggest headaches. And that, those two customer service headaches were things, transparency as to how the, pro, how the pricing would work, transparency as to how the project is going to progress, and the opportunity to have communication related to the performance were identified as really that those would be game changers in the home renovation industry. And so Jacob and I would have conversations every few weeks talking about how can we improve this business model. And one of the key things was, you know, really focusing on the customer experience and making that the wow factor. And so this is what we were talking about earlier. If you're going to do rugged team building is make sure that, you know, the culture of the company you're trying to build is going to be attractive to people. And so part of what Jacob realized was that he wanted to move away from the industry guys, you know, people that were used to kind of a hard sell approach that, you know, is all about, you know, figuring out, going to the house so you could figure out how much someone could afford before you actually priced it, as opposed to actually just telling people, here's a standard way we're going to price it. No matter what, we're going to come out. Whatever, whatever the math works out to, that's, how, that's what you're going to have to pay. And so, you know, people are comfortable paying for something if they understand it. And so part of that is figuring out how, what is the best way to do this price transparency. Another thing is technology. You know, a lot of the guys would come out when they would do their quote, they'd come out with their three-part form, they'd write on it, they'd hand you a piece of paper, but there was no, there was no, no real tracking, no real detail as to what was included in that, as well as, you know, no real record of what was agreed to. And so part of it was to use technology as you enter into these agreements. And also important, you know, one of the things... At the time, we also recognized that there were a lot of matching services, whether it's Angie's List and you know, there's a few others that basically help you match a you know someone who wants a renovation job done with a service provider. Well, those matching services basically what they did was they weren't great for the service provider because they basically forced them down in price or forced them to be you know kind of lowball early and then jack the price up later. But there really was not, there was no improvement on the communication side. There was no improvement for the cut from the customer experience side. And most importantly, there wasn't any real quality control throughout that. So one of the pieces we recognized was the need to have quality control and basically maintain responsibility for the work being done. And so incorporating the customer experience specialists, incorporating technology, and keeping quality control was kind of identified early on as key differentiators for the Ally Home Club. And so with Ally Homes, you know, it started off in Baltimore. And, you know, when we'll get into the details of what, what they've been working on, 
They're expanding into northern Virginia and also the Maryland suburbs. But what the area they focus primarily on is deck refinishing. And part of it is, you know, if you're building a a company, you need to find an area that isn't totally inundated with other providers. And so things we talked about were home remodeling, windows, doors, things like that. There's a lot of advertising for. Part of the the realization was, you know, people need their deck refinished. You know, after you've owned a deck for, you know, six, eight, ten years, it needs it needs some boards replaced. It needs some new stain. It needs to be refinished, and it's a valuable service. And it basically allows that deck to continue on and have a longer life. And so that was identified as the first area we were going to market. But that wasn't that wasn't based on you know that wasn't the very first thing we tried. That was after some you know after we tried a number of different things. And so for the deck refinishing, you know, right now you can go to deckready.net and that's where, the, that's how that's presented out. So people want to learn about refinishing their deck, want to learn about preserving their deck. You know, deckready.net has a fair amount of content marketing as well as some, you know, videos to show people the process. But before we got there, that took two years for us to really land on that. Before that, it really was kind of a jack of all trades and it was just working, you know, working networks to get work. And, you know, the very first job that Jacob took was doing an addition onto, you know, onto um, one of his colleagues' home. And the idea was, well, it's a large job. I'll be able to generate significant income. He was, Jacob was also working on his degree so there wasn't there wasn't a major marketing program available. It was I could work on one major product project, and so as Jacob did this, what happened was his you know he learned a lot from how he priced it, and what he did was he he assumed that things would go perfectly well, and what he did was he didn't have enough he didn't have enough extra in there to take into account he didn't have all the changes that might happen. And so, you know, Jacob spent the better part of, you know, eight, nine, ten months working on this edition. And it was absolutely beautiful. You know, the work that was done was fabulous. And at the same time, at the end of the day, with because, you know, because of how Jacob had approached it, he ended up basically making about a dollar an hour, you know, for all the time, energy, and effort he put in there. Um, he really did not earn that much on it. However, what he did was he learned an awful lot about what the nature of that business was. And that's when he came to the realization that Ally Homes needed to start focusing on something very simple to begin with, but then still have the ability to do the more complex projects like the home remodeling, like putting in additions, like finishing people's basements. But the goal was let's have something that's going to be easy to attract easy to explain and start identifying a way for people to start getting the realization of what customer service in the home renovation space would look like. And then over time, move into the more complex projects. And so that was, you know, the, basically the first year after we identified what the business model would look like, Jacob started testing it out. And the home remodeling sounded exciting, looked like a great opportunity, generated a significant amount of revenue, 
but didn't generate a whole lot of profits. And so part of that was realizing as we become active investors in the Ally Homes, it was let's find that one area where we feel we can really capitalize, get people's attention quickly, and show them what real customer service is about. And so the Deck Ready program has been very successful in its first year in the Baltimore area. It's moving into Northern Virginia. And so go to deckready.net and you get an idea of, you know, how do you focus your marketing and how do you really use content marketing to drive customers, customers to you instead of using kind of the more costly direct response marketing approach, which really is kind of a throwback to the old days. And so we'll talk a little bit more in shows coming up about how Ally Homes has continued to develop and how it's continued to morph its business plan. You know, next time what we'll do is we'll talk about our great presentation that we had related to, you know, how do we, how do we crystallize what Ally Homes is all about? And so I hope that you know, this insight into, you know, the startup journal for Ally Homes is helpful to you. If you're looking at, you know, startups, if you're looking at angel investing, you know, realize everyone thinks it happens overnight, but part of it is just realizing that over time, you know, things need to develop. You need to make your mistakes. You need to take some bumps and bruises as you build a successful business. And so getting used to getting used to that things don't go exactly on a nice straight line is something that all active investors realize. You know, things take their own time to develop. And, you know, we're looking forward to a great 2017 with Ally Homes. But to get here, we put in a couple of years of learning, a couple of years of thinking, a couple of years of how do we make this a great business as active investors. And for you, this is the type of focus where you can get a lot more return on your capital if you're willing to commit to working with startups, working with cash flow businesses, working with intellectual property, with real estate, and even doing financial trading in your spare time as opposed to non-productive use of your time and non-productive use of your capital using passive financial approaches. And so if you want to enjoy the game, you need to understand the rules. So follow me, Chris Kumi, on LinkedIn. Join the Active Investor Group on LinkedIn where we share insights and strategies so you can become more effective active investors. We're preparing an exciting announcement in February for active investors, so follow me on LinkedIn and stay tuned for an exciting February.